Welcome back to How I Got Here. In this episode, I'm going to be sitting down with 2010 Tour de France winner Andy Schleck. The Luxembourger was only 24 at the time when he won the Tour de France and has lived a career in the spotlight for many, many years. He has a huge following in the industry but retired a few years ago due to an injury that just wouldn't seem to heal. Andy has since opened his own bike shop in Itzig, Luxembourg, which has proven to be very, very successful. And he has set up a charity known as the Andy Schleck Challenge, which you can find out more about on www.asc.lu. Good morning, Andy. Thank you very much for being part of our podcast series. I actually created the How I Got Here podcast because I wanted to inspire young people to reach further with their goals and aspirations. There is a common perception that a desk job or the job which is in the field that you studied is the easiest and safest route and that achieving something outside of the box is out of reach. And in today's interview, I want to explore different aspects of your journey from the personal relationships you have with your father and your brother, life after retirement to all the highs and lows you experienced along the way. So we just ask you to be really honest. There's going to be... Can I really be honest? Oh, yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. We, we ask you to. And people have been... Authentic. That's yes, why I didn't exactly. want to see the questions before. I always like to start at the beginning. So your father, Johnny Schleck, he was a professional professional cyclist in the 60s and 70s. And correct me if I'm wrong, but his father was a cyclist too. Is that right? Yes, it's right. So cycling was always in the family. How old were you when you learned to ride a bike? Um, I don't remember um, how old I was when I learned to, to ride a bike. Yeah. But um, I... Since I remember, I always like to to compete and 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 yeah. In everything. In in I, I'm I'm very competitive. Yes, um, so that's still uh, still today I'm very competitive. I mean, every morning I wake up. Um, still today, I I put myself in questions. You know what I mm-hmm. can do? What can I do better today? Um, even if it's a total different job I do today than I did uh, a few years ago when I was still a, a pro athlete, but. Um, yeah, sometimes it's um, stressful. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you just got to sit back and relax. And I wish I could do that and say, hey, this was a great day. This was fun. Mm. Um, yeah, but when I try to do that, I still ask myself, um, how can I do it better tomorrow? So. Are you the type of guy that if you were in a bar with some friends and there was like a dartboard um, or like a snooker table, you'd get really competitive even in that situation? Um, yes. <laughs> you are. I am even like any kind of sport I, I touch today. I really um, put myself in there, and I'm running. And last week I did a, a, a handball uh, mm. handball uh, charity, uh, like a pommy handball. And yeah, I was just sprinting from left and right because I want to win and I want to be the best. But yeah, do you think that's what it takes to be really good at something to just be so competitive? Um, yeah, I, I uh, on one way I, I believe so. Um, like if I compare the sport with uh, with what I do today, and if I compare it like uh, with friends of mine who have uh, high places in well, bank directors or, mm. or whatever, um, yeah, sometimes I when we talk um, and we always come to the same conclusion that um, maybe it's not the healthiest lifestyle uh, we have. Mm. Because yeah, if you work uh, in a, in a bank uh, uh, ten, eleven hours, the family comes short. And but that's you know everybody got to choose the way. Um, nobody forced uh, me to be a pro rider. Mm. Nobody forced me to go into the Tour de France and suffer for three weeks. Um, that was my choice. And 
in the end of the day, if that's what makes me happy, it was good. Huh? And it's the same today. Um, if I like to uh, to expand my shop and and, and promote it and 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 make more of it, um, mm. it's not the financial idea behind. Of course, on the long term, you know, you want to make a business and you want to run the business good, so you can have a, have a, have a good a good life and 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 have something besides for your kids. But that's not the first thing which is in the head. Um, it's just to yeah, be better and be good. Um, winning a Tour de France, the first thing is not in head to have a better salary in le- next year no. or have a good price money. The head is to to win and and, mm-hmm. and be the best. Yeah. So, what do you think is your motivation? Do you think you're competitive against yourself, like, or do you think you're competitive with other people? Um, if there's other people, mm. um, I be competitive um, with them, but um, yeah, like today, I'm just competitive with with myself. Yeah, when it comes to your shop and you just want to get better results. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so you don't remember how old you were when you first learned to ride a bike, but do you remember who taught you? Yeah, probably that was my brothers or something. I don't know. My dad, he was working a lot at the time, so he was yeah. not a lot at home. So probably were my brothers, yeah. And what was cycling, how was cycling regarded at home? Was it something that you would always do, something that you would always get into? Or was it quite natural? You just saw it all the time and you developed your own passion? Or was there always this plan? Um, The plan was never there. Like my dad, he never talked about his career. Mm -hmm. Um, At home? uh, At home. He's a Mm -hmm. person who doesn't like to talk about himself and also his career. He never... I basically slowly, slowly discovered that that he was like, 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 like actually good athlete at the time. And um, my dad, he went to a very, very hard school. Um, cycling at that time wasn't like today; it was a lot more brutal. And I don't know, and I doubt myself if he really want us to take the same way. Um, You've never asked him. Well, if I see him uh, in the stage uh, after the tour, I mean. We are not uh, playing snooker. Um, you crash, you can die. Yeah. And having both two of your three sons uh, riding down a, a hill with uh, 100k an hour with a Leica and a, a small shell on the head, which they call a helmet. Um, I don't know if I want to see my son uh, yeah. taking these risks. Yeah. But I hear that your um, your three-year-old son, he's really good at cycling already. Is that right? Yes, he's uh, <laughs> well. He 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 rode the bike uh, with two and a half years old, but yeah. um, without any wheels, uh, even a little bit before. But yeah, I, I won't say that he has talent. But I I see yeah. that he's talented in everything. What what he does, which um, which is something with sport, if it's soccer or everything, he's he's very outdoor. But yeah, on the other hand, um, people, other kids at his age, they can't draw. Yeah, something and he can't draw and now we had Easter and my wife he bought this whole thing to paint eggs mm. and after one egg he was bored and he didn't <laughs> want to paint any eggs anymore so. Um, so you mentioned a little bit about how you're not sure that this is what your father would have chosen for you what about you as a father what do you want for your kids I you know a lot of people they ask me this question and mm. um, I can't answer it 100% right because I don't know where my what I'm thinking, of course, I would be proud if mm. he's also a cyclist. But on the other hand, um, it's a tough school, yeah. And uh, to making uh, being a pro, becoming a pro athlete, and then making uh, a Tour de France team, 
that's a very very tough school you know you it's probably the hardest way you can choose mm. um for in the end um you can have a very high price but you pay also a very high price so yeah. but i think my tendency would go that i like that i like that he does sport i don't know which kind of sport but i think it's always important that kids move mm -hmm. that kids not just focus on studying because that makes them in my eyes unhealthy mm -hmm. um there always should be like uh, uh, some some way where, where where kids can where kids can uh, can ex escape because yeah. kids get get and that this is something in in society i believe today would need to go more uh, got got more uh, sensibilized because kids get a lot of stress in school yeah that we a lot don't of talk kids, about, yeah. we don't talk about. Yeah. A lot of kids have depressions because they can't do their homework, and mm -hmm. sport is something which can help them, you know, to to equalize that. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for young people who might be doing sport right now, and they and they feel that they're getting very good at it? Maybe they're twelve, thirteen. Do you have any advice on whether or, or you know how they can know if they're good enough to go professional, or if they're, they're just very good for their age? Well, there's no, there's, there's no, there's no, no book who's, uh, you can say, okay, if you have this, it's just something you got to try. Um, you got to first see if you, if you dare mm. to, to try to go that way and uh, being a, being a, a pro athlete. Um, but yeah, you got to try. And mm. um, it's wrong to say, don't follow it. Mm. But it's also wrong to say, hey, stop with school because you yeah. won a, a race or you won a competition with 16 years old because everything can, can go both directions. So I advise, um, there are now in Luxembourg, if we talk here about Luxembourg, mm. there's uh, sports schools where you actually still can uh, can follow your study and still try to... Uh, Try to you still can train on a professional uh, on a professional basis uh, mm. daily hours uh, fixed where you can train. So I believe that's today a very good option for young uh, for young people, young kids who have uh, yeah who like to who like to see if they can be a pro or not. Was your father a mentor to you when you were uh, when you started your career? Well, my father is still a mentor to me today. So mm -hmm. yeah. Would you do things differently and what would you do differently for your son if you were to be his mentor? No, I would be with him just very authentic. Um I have no I have no secrets. Um I went to tough times. Um but I would just be very, very honest honest with him and yeah, like my dad was with me, yeah. Mm hmm Do you remember your first race? Yes. When was it? I was uh, 11 years old and mm. it was a small race in uh, Iversieren in Luxembourg. Mm. 10 kilometers, one lap. And um, yeah, I remember very good because I almost won. We were four, a uh, starter. Mm. And um, I, they catch me back like 200 meters to go before the finish line because I thought I had the cramps. And I was screaming <laughs> to my dad that I have cramps because I thought that was cool because I saw it on TV that riders get cramps. <laughs> um, but basically, I just had a little bit pain in my legs. So. And it wasn't a cramp at all. It wasn't a cramp at all. Because <laughs> <laughs> then after you experienced your first cramp and you're like, okay, that was not it. Um, so I interviewed you last time briefly for something else. And what I remember really well is that you 
we spoke about winning um, competitions and stuff. And I said, how does that feel? And you said that actually what's really hard is that when you come second, like you did in 2009, you feel, oh my God, that's amazing. You've done so well. And then journalists will approach you and say, how does it feel not winning? Can you explain how you pick yourself up and stay confident and proud of yourself when people are asking questions like that? Um, yeah, it's um, these questions, even even like um, I always thought that, yeah, let them talk, let them ask. Mm. It doesn't affect me, but it was a fake shell I put around me because it did affect me. Yeah. Um, how do you put yourself up? I mean... That higher you come in sport, I always believe it's like building a house. If you want to build a, uh, a, a high building, you got to have a good fundament, uh, fundament underneath. Mm. Um, if you want to go high in sport, um, you got to have a good fund, uh, fundament at home. So the family need to be strong, need to support you because that's uh, when you're in the tour, you don't hear your family just sometimes on the phone and you give them updates. Uh, mm -hmm. but when you come back, these are the people who, uh, family and close friends, which I call also family, mm -hmm. um, which, uh, yeah, which uh, are there for you and give you support and, and yeah. Do you have the same friends that you've always had when you were younger? Um, more or less, I mean, close friends, yes. Yeah. But also friends go and come mm -hmm. and even um, like I had in the team, I had great friends um, like uh, Jens Vogt. Um, mm -hmm. He was like also like really like, like, like my best friend and it's Stuart O'Grady. Um, they both retired. Jens, I see from time to time, but Stuart, he lives in Australia. So I didn't see him for the last uh, three, four years. Mm. Um, but doesn't matter. We talk on the phone and, and even we don't talk to each other for one year. I if we talk again, it's like we never left. Mm -hmm. It's like the same talk and the same feeling. And um, when I see them back, um, so I still consider these people as my friends, but they come and go. Um, yeah. And even in Luxembourg, like I have friends now who are very close to me, which I never had before. Others, I don't have so much contact anymore. But uh, basically, the good friends, they stay your whole life. Uh, even you don't hear them for a few years. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that your brother is a good friend of yours too, right? You're close. Um, yeah, my brother and me, we are very close. Um, even maybe... A, a little less than we were before when we were riding because we have different we have different jobs now before we were teammates mm -hmm. we were brothers and we had the same race program and the same training program so every mm -hmm. basically every minute we, we spent together um today um we are on different directions also i have also now a family frank have his family so but like it's like with Jens, maybe sometimes we don't talk to each other for a week, but when we're together and we go out on the lake fishing, it's like, uh, yeah, we never left. Were you ever competitive with your brother? I was always competitive with my brother. It doesn't matter if it was uh, <laughs> always uh, with one... Uh, uh, exception. With one exception in the races. Okay. In the races, we were one. Yeah. I helped him, he helped me uh, in the races mentally when we were back... At night in the room, him and me, we talked, and that was what, what kept us feet on, the, what kept us uh, stay the guys we are today. Because when we were together, we were just like when we at home together. No matter how, which races we won or, or, yeah. or which, so that's keep kept us uh, feet on the ground. Um, but no matter what we did, if we went fishing, if we went, uh, if we went running in the winter, if we played some 
poker in the room, uh, we were very competitive, yeah. And now that you've both retired, I feel like it's appropriate um, or acceptable to ask this question. Who would you say is the better cyclist between the two of you? Um, I believe I had more potential. I mean, it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he won't be angry if I say that, but yeah, I had the... Uh, would he agree with you? Yes. Oh, he would agree with you? Yeah, he would agree with me. Okay. Um, what's been the hardest point in your life? This can be in your career or in your personal life, and how did you overcome that? Um, probably it was uh, my retirement. Um, mm -hmm. That was probably the hardest uh, period of my in my life, yeah. You didn't know it was coming because you had an injury, didn't you? That yeah, I, I couldn't plan for it. And suddenly, yeah, I'm standing there and uh, feel like a, a schoolboy again. Uh, I didn't know anymore. When you're a pro athlete, you have everything. You have a swine, you have a cook, you have a, you have uh, someone in the bank who pays mm -hmm. your bills. You have a manager. You have a, mm -hmm. every, every, everything is taken care of. You just need to ride your bike and focus and concentrate. Mm -hmm. Um, and suddenly, from one day to another, I I had to retire. Uh, I couldn't write anymore, and I was out of that bubble. That mm. bubble exploded, and everything was gone. And uh, I didn't know how to write a proper letter anymore in mm -hmm. the beginning. I said, "Where do I put the stamp on the left or on the right?" I had no. <laughs> I, I had yeah, but it's it's small things which you gotta yeah. you gotta learn again. So I had uh, two three months where I really had to take uh, distance from everyone. Mm -hmm. And meeting everyone, even like my, my wife, mm -hmm. even like my kid. This is uh, when I say that I, I almost feel bad, but that's what I needed mm -hmm. uh, to get distance from everything. To function again after, yeah. Yeah, to, to, to function again. And yeah, when I was a lot in Spain, in Mallorca on my own, riding a little bit, uh, taking a long walk, uh, mm -hmm. uh, almost like a movie. Um, but yeah, um, I really needed that because I said when I'm not happy and satisfied with myself i mean in the end of the day i only have responsibility for me i have responsibility when, when my son says with 16 years old hey dad i really like to smoke and i'm, I'm, I'm start smoking it's his choice i can I, I can just advise him so i said i need to be happy and uh, calm with myself and then i can please the other people around me so i took my time and uh, came back and i said come on we're gonna start a business to my wife and yeah can we talk let's talk about the injury yeah so how did it happen? It's in your knee, right? Yeah. Um, how did it happen? We had the third stage of the tour, and I was actually on my way back up, um, I believe, to the to the top of the of the level. Um, was two years before I broke my hip and uh, my sacrum, and it took me a long time to come back in shape. Mm -hmm. um, basically, this tour. 2014 was like for me okay i'm back on the level again we mm. had three hard stage two hard stages in london um very tough i always finish in the front and i felt great and i had the same sensation back and then the third stage uh yeah i went to london and um there was like some spectator who took us want to take selfies with him with his face and the rider in the background but he was obviously standing in the road and <laughs> Yeah, with 50, 60k now I, I hit him. Mm -hmm. uh, didn't couldn't break before and then um yeah, I, yeah, then I damaged my knee. Mm -hmm. I almost said the wrong word. <laughs> I damaged my knee and yeah. I had to go to Swiss to get uh, a few operations and yeah, after a while just 
I couldn't, doctor said, I tried to come back and I trained again and I always had this pain and was again an inflammation in the knee and then... So you knew, you knew that it was... Somehow I knew, but I didn't want to believe it until the doctors told me, Andy, maybe you should gotta consider uh, to take another, 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 another route. How did that feel when he, t- when he told you that? A kind of, it was a release. Was it? It was a kind of a release. I said, okay, oh, then... Oh, because you keep trying and you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a kind that. of a release because that. somehow inside I knew. Yeah. But of course, the team expect you to come back and be strong again. And, and you need and to be told, really, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when the doctors told me, it was like my backup. Yeah. Yeah. How did your dad take the news? Um, good. Good? Yeah. Okay. Um, last year, when my, da- my, my, my dad... When my brother retired, it was like my dad said to me, finally, I can sleep again. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. If you, if that hadn't have happened, how much longer do you think you would have had in competing? I don't know. I don't ask myself that question. That's uh, for me, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was not that kind of guy who would have rode until 14. Right. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't Finnish. Um, yeah. But today I look at a perspective difference. At that period, um, the everything, the injury, uh, the operations, and the try to coming back, the disappointment. I said that's maybe you know a piece of a, like like a piece of of a puzzle of my life. You know, yeah. I needed that piece yeah. to complete everything, and it's not finished yet. So I don't look at it negative now. No. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sad about it. Mm-hmm. I'm. You know, I, I would have loved to win a few more races or do some more Tour de France, but um, I would have loved that my son see me racing. Yeah. Uh, he realized it, though. Does he? Because I'm still in the news, I'm okay. on pictures, I'm in TV commercials. And, and people come up to you, don't they? Yeah, people come up Does to me. Does he ask you, like, what, what's going on? Or? Um, not yet, but he's... Um, He's scared or shy of it. He's, he's really staying he? out of it. Yeah, when we are someone and I'm taking pictures with everyone, he's just looking at what's going on. <laughs> he probably still doesn't understand. He everything. still doesn't yeah. understand, yeah. Um, so w- you, didn't, you probably didn't have a retirement plan when all this happened. And you said that you went away for a few months to kind of gather yourself. And you came back and you said, let's start a shop. Was that something you've always wanted to do or did you come to that conclusion whilst you were in Spain and thinking and well I um I wanted to I I, I like cycling is love of my life mm. um besides my wife <laughs> and my kids but it's something which I feel really really close engaged with um I mean I I this might sound arrogant, but I, I had a lot of choices for jobs. Mm-hmm. I could have done basically everything. I'm mm-hmm. not uh, I'm not stupid. I can write, I can read, um, um, and I can think straight. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of options and probably a lot of uh, easier way mm-hmm. than what I did. But for me, it was something, um, yeah, I want to stay involved with, with, with bikes, with, with cycling and uh, I said this is such a great sport like everybody can do it it's it's like it's like having 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 shoes everybody mm. sh- everybody have shoes everybody need to have a bike Every sh- everybody should have a, have a, have a bike and 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 I was looking how can I communicate how can I share my passion which which brought me so much in my life which um which yeah the bike brought me so much how can I share that to other people so I said you know making a shop um mm-hmm. 
the shop I mentioned it before it's not the idea 100 the idea is of course it's a business I like to sell bikes because when I sell bikes um, business is running good but the idea in the beginning was like I need to I want to create something that I can share my passion with other people and I really really try that everybody gets the bike who fits to him like everybody you know mm -hmm. people said yeah um, i'm going to work for bike and I have a bike of five thousand euro and a bike of one thousand euro and mm. you know he's hesitating so i said maybe you know the one thousand euro it's the right bike for you because that's you're taking it to work yeah you Aww. take it to work so the idea is still behind that i have a mm -hmm. that i create a community mm -hmm. so that's why in the shop i also have like a place where you can sit have coffee so have nice. a drink yeah Uh, have newspapers and read about uh, about bikes in in magazines and everything and um, also I want to create um, I want to stay up I have quite high standards like when I was riding people talk to me when I'm when the stage in the tour it's for a lot of people something extraordinary something great mm -hmm. so also I said I need to make the shop that the people come in and they expect high standards for me so I need to make it also great and do create something different so yeah the idea came slowly and I said come on now we invest um, my own money um, have uh, I had a lot of help from my father-in-law from my wife but yeah today It's me and my wife who are running, uh, I believe, uh, one of the best shops in the world. <laughs> um, I just wanted to point out for the people who are listening, because people listen outside Luxembourg and maybe they even people in Luxembourg have never visited this shop. But I've been there and because it's called a bike shop, I think there's a perception that a bike shop is like some kind of grey concrete building with wall-to-wall -wall bikes. Um, but for those of you who don't know, your bike shop is actually beautiful. It's light, there's a lot of glass, there's the blue seating area, and you've made it really comfortable. And I think what people really like the most that I've heard um, about your bike shop is that you are personally there a lot of the time. And if they have any question, they can actually come and ask you. Yeah, I am there, um, let's say... Uh Not all the time, like now I'm here, mm. um, but I will be there soon. Yeah. Um, I still uh, do events a little bit all over the world, um, so I, I still quite I still travel. Mm -hmm. But um, the rest of the time, I'm always in the shop from Monday to uh, uh, Saturday, and uh, yeah, like I mentioned before, I'm there for everyone, mm -hmm. um, and I also have bikes for everyone like i said i have raised bikes of 14 15000 euros really high end but i also have uh, beginner bikes let's say from 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 3 400 euro on so uh, mm -hmm. really try to cover the whole the whole range mm -hmm. um a friend of mine who's really into cycling says that there's a sh that inside your shop there's a machine which is usually reserved for pros and it analyzes riding styles to optimize each bike for its owner um, and what they want to know is, can anyone bring their bike in to get checked? And would these sorts of suggestions make a big difference for casual cyclists? Um, yes, that's um, my uh, fitting studio. It's uh, mm. called uh, the Precision Fit. Um, the idea was behind um, the machine I have there um, is they normally use in, in, in pro teams. Mm -hmm. um, I used it my whole career. Every year we did, again, fittings to adjust something a little bit uh, different. Um, you can buy a bike, um, but you should really uh, invest a little bit 
in having the right position on the bike. Do you want to race? Do you want to just feel comfortable? A lot of people have issues when they ride the bike. They get knee pain, they get a, a sore butt. Mm-hmm. Um, some, a lot of people says my hands fall asleep, uh, my neck is, is, is painful. So um, this machine basically analyzes, um, it's like a motion capture, analyzes um, that where where the, where the key points we measure the whole body and then you get on the bike you get off and we really try to find the right position and you basically can have every bike you can fit on mm-hmm. it's just a matter of uh, and i believe um i did the i did the the school to learn how to really analyze that and with my eyes i still i just need to look at someone i said you don't sitting good on the bike that's the eye the experience i have and yeah, with this machine, you basically everybody can come and everybody can get uh, a comfortable and uh, effen- effective uh, position on, on every bike. And how much is it to use this machine? The price? Mm-hmm. Um, we have one uh, easy fit, which, uh, pro- which is approximately one and a half to two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like 180 euro. And then we have a pro fit for triathletes who really want to push the end or for, for, for racers who mm-hmm. really want to be fast and that's 350 euro mm-hmm. and but you need to calculate three four hours in so that's God, uh, it takes a long time it takes a long time it's a it's a it's a long process because yeah. you start basically you start with the shoes with the cleats mm-hmm. to adjust the cleats and you go up to the knees you go up to the hip um, then you analyze which uh, like a, a, a pressure capturing that's like a map you put o- over the saddle where you have the pressure points to have the right saddle also and the saddle that fits to you and the right position and then you go to aerodynamics and uh, yeah it takes a long time um, it's tough for the fitter and it's tough for the client <laughs> yeah um at this point i think i might as well admit to you that i actually don't know how to ride a bike so i don't know i heard that before yes yeah, so I, so I don't actually know what any of that means <laughs> well i invite you to come uh, to itzing and i teach you how to ride a bike great i might take you up on that offer somebody offered me the swedish t-shirt method have you heard about this Mm-mm. um which is to wear a huge t-shirt and then somebody is holding on the ba- on the back. That's what I do with the kids. I put a rope around their arms. Yeah. Well, underneath their arms, mm. and I walk or run with them and I hold them upright. So when they go to the left, I pull them up and they are straight again. It doesn't work at this age because I I now have that fear that your kids probably didn't have when they learned. Um, I now have that fear of falling, whereas when you're young, you don't have that. Okay. Do you ski? Um, badly. But when you can ski, yeah, you can ride a bike. Do you think? I'm 100% sure. But they're so different. No, it's the same feeling. The balancing, it's, right? It's the balancing. I can rollerblade. You give me five minutes and you ride the, the bike. I can do it with stabilizers. The minute you take no, away you the stabilizer. You, you, you don't need to. Right. So some of my friends were really excited about this interview and they had 101 questions for you. If I was to do the questions, we'd be here until tomorrow. It would take longer than the fitting. So we don't normally do this, but can we do a quick round? Yes. Of, I yeah. Is that quick. okay? Yes. Yeah. So do you have a favorite bike from your childhood? No. You know, you don't? No, I don't. I, You're not sentimental with the bike? I have, I have bikes uh, during my career, but, you know, like when I was riding, yeah, I won Liège, Bastogne-Liège, and, yeah. Yeah, and the teams had kept the bike and was somewhere in the garage. Now I have them exposed in my shop, so these are my favorite bikes. Okay. Um, what's your fondest memory as a pro? 
My best memory. Um, a, a few. I mean, winning on Galibier on the way I won that day, that's uh, a great. But being on the podium in Paris as well with my brother. Mm. Um, I mean, 2011, my brother and me, my roommate, my soulmate, my, yeah. my best friend. And uh, we're looking at each other and there's uh, yeah, millions of people watching us. Yeah, that's something I get goosebumps when yeah. I think about it now. And uh, how... I just can't imagine how proud my parents must be. Like, that goes over the edge. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a photo of that moment? Yes. Is it in your house framed? Uh, yes. I can imagine. Who is your favorite pro rider now? Uh, Valverde. And your favorite team? Um, I still track Segafredo. And who was your favorite professional rival? Alberto Contador. Hmm. And where do you like to ride your bike in Luxembourg? Your favorite place to ride your bike? Um, it's the Petit Swiss, um, the little mm -hmm. Swiss. It's in the Mulatal. It's just, yeah, beautiful. Mm -hmm. And what's your favorite road or mountain route? I really liked uh, the Mont Ventoux in France. So that's just like this, this mountain in the middle of a uh, flat like everything is flat and that's just a mountain and yeah you climb it up and you fight and it's brutal warm but when you when you're in the top it doesn't matter um which time you put in there you feel like the king of the world because yeah you're standing on the highest point and you basically have the feeling that you see all france around you like the whole, whole french cool and if you weren't cycling or if you didn't if you weren't a cyclist what would you have been doing instead did you have another career option um, yeah, well, I, I I was in school. I finished my uh, premier, treizième, uh, how you call it, like college, mm -hmm. and um, I had no idea what I would be doing. I had this option. I said I'm gonna try uh, from 19. I said I'm gonna give myself two, three years time where I try to become a pro athlete. If that doesn't work, I go and uh, study. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you like best about retirement? Um, not having this like lifestyle, uh, well, not being so so strict on myself anymore, man. Uh, when I like to eat French fries, I eat French <laughs> fries. It's yeah, that's okay. When I come home at night and I like to have a beer, uh, uh, I have a beer, and that uh, and no one, uh, and it's okay to have uh, to do it. Do you? Is there part of you that feels like in your twenties you missed out on some of the things because you were a professional athlete? Yes, of course. I mean, when I when my friends are in uh, university and you have these crazy parties and yeah. Uh, yeah, meeting girls all the time, and I'm sitting somewhere in uh, in Spain in a in a training camp. But then again, like I said, oh, I miss it. But then again, my friend said, "Fuck, we sorry for the swearing. <laughs> That's uh, we want to be like him. Like he have the chance to be yeah. uh, to do a tour or do a Giro d'Italia. So it goes both way." Anyway, that's something human people always, uh, the grass is always green on yeah. the other side. So It's really good that you recognize that because I think some people go off the rails a bit when they realize what they, when they think that they realize what they're missing out on. No, I mean, that's also like, yeah, I have no regrets. Well, I, uh, mm. I have no regrets about my career. That was all good. It was decisions I take and you take decisions because there's a reason. Otherwise, you don't. I mean, if you go come to a crossing, you go left or right, mm. you choose to go right. There was probably some gut feeling who 
who direct you to go there. And that's the same in life, decisions you take, and you should not regret them because at the point you take it, there is a reason why. So, mm -hmm. Do you enjoy being recognized on the street? Um, I don't know how it is when I'm not recognized. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm okay with it, huh? But it's always like when I go, especially when I go to Luxembourg or in Europe, yeah. like I'm, I'm known a little bit. Um, yeah. I'm not a TV star. I don't have a, a stalkers. I yeah. had one, but it's, it's finished now. <laughs> um, but I'm okay with it. I don't ask myself the question. Do I, sometimes it's annoying. Yes, mm. of course. Um, but in the end of the day, that, that's me. Eh? That's why also I probably I, I have success with the shop because I'm there and people... Yeah, the name Schleck is is mm -hmm. is famous. Yeah. So is it okay for you when fans recognize you in the street and they say, "Oh, can I have a photo?" Yes, totally. And it's not disruptive. It's not disruptive. No. Okay. Do you work on your own bikes, or do the mechanics at your shop do it for you? My mechanics they do it. Um, I sometimes when you are uh, like me and an owner of a shop uh, yeah. of bikes I mean I always need to stay ahead of my people who work at who work at my place so I always try to to follow up and 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 I can put a bike together I can repair a bike but I only learned it uh, after my career because before I had no idea mm. um, so I teach myself everything and um, but my mechanic they work they are there for that do you watch pro cycling on TV and who are your favorite commentators I watch every race on uh, TV. You do? Yes. Okay. If I'm not myself on the race, I watch everything on TV. I'm following very, very closely and uh, I'm most of the time right who's going to win 10 Ks before the finish. So. And there's a TV in your shop, isn't there? There are, yeah, there are three yeah. TVs. So um, some periods we have on three TVs, three, three different uh, races. So. Okay. Running. Um, who are your favorite commentators? Um, I really like uh, Laurent Jalabert on the French TV because yeah he's on the um, most of the races on the on the motorcycle in the races and yeah he can he sees things which uh, other commentators don't see and then uh, really like uh, Phil Leggett uh, mm -hmm. his voice is just like inspiring so um, and finally a really sweet friend of mine wanted me to ask you how is your knee is it okay. My knee is okay. I can have a normal <laughs> life. Sometimes it hurts, um, but it's okay. I can ride my bike, but I can't ride it on the on the on the level I rode before okay. anymore. And Andy, thank you so much for coming in and sitting down with us. It's been one of the most anticipated interviews by our listeners, and I hope we didn't scare you off with all our endless questions. Now, before I let you go, I do have two more questions that we always ask all our guests. Um, the first one is, what would you tell your 18-year-old self? My 18-year-old self? Yeah, like if you could meet your 18-year-old self, you could tell him something. I wouldn't, I would hide, I would not tell him anything. You wouldn't? No, that's like, I was a different person back then. Um, um, and You don't want to change that? No, even not everything went right during my career or during my life. Um, but like, like I, let I said, even dark periods, that's still a piece of puzzle uh, to complete my puzzle of my life. So, yeah, go ahead, go and fail. Yeah. Stand up again. And uh, I said, there's a, 
I really love that. It's like, uh, don't wait until the storm passes by, uh, learn how to dance in the rain. Yeah, nice. So that's right, go, go out and fight, yeah. It's so you, would you tell him that or would you just leave it? You just leave I it? I would tell him that. You I would, would tell, tell him that, like, okay. Don't wait until the storm passes by, learn how to dance in the rain. Great, great. And um, what would you choose as the soundtrack to your life and why? Oh. That's a hard one. That's a very hard one. Like music changes yeah. huh, so much. Um, but it could be a song that got you through a tough time or even a song that reflects your life. I really, really liked... Um, Paolo Nutrini, mm -hmm. These Streets, that okay. was um, like always my soigneur. He always, after the races, um, when I was in the massage mm -hmm. and everything was closed and quiet, finally after interviews and after everything, there was Paolo Nutrini, These Streets, which um, I always combine really satisfying moments with it. And also These Streets from Paolo Nutrini was... Um, like the song um, I met my wife where was the first present uh, she gave to me. It was the CD of oh, nice. uh, Paolo Nutrini, these streets. Yeah, so. Really nice. Okay, so we'll play that for everyone. Um, thank you so, so much. Is there anything that we should look out for from you coming up this year? Um, the 6th of May, Andy yeah. Schleck uh, Challenge, my charity event. So oh, that's with Vicky. That's with Vicky yeah. and with uh, Kenny Ballet, yeah. Are you good friends with Vicky or did yes. you meet recently? You know each other. Uh, that's like uh, Vicky is someone I only met uh, last year. Yeah. This time. But two weeks later, he invited me to his wedding and we had a great time. And he's coming to my wedding in in, in July. And uh, I really like Vicky. He's authentic. He's a cool guy. He's yeah. like, uh, he's someone I'm looking up at. Yeah. You should listen to his interview sometime. It was a good one. I go ahead. Great. Thank you so much. It was nice to talk to you. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Cross the border Into the big bad world Where it takes you about an hour Just across the road just to stumble across another poor old soul From the dreary old lanes to the high street madness I fight with my brain to believe my eyes And it's harder than you think to delay this sadness That creeps up my spine and haunts me Through the night life is good And the girls are gorgeous Suddenly the air smells much greener now And I'm wandering around with a half pack of cigarettes Searching for the change that I've lost somehow These streets have too many names for me I'm used to Glenfrey Road and spending my time down in Orkey I'll get used to this eventually, I know, I know where the days go When all we did was play And the stress that we were under wasn't stress at all Just a run and a jump into a harmless fall From walking by a high-rise to a landmark square You'll see millions of people with millions of cares 
And I struggle to the train to make my way home I look at the people as they sit there alone Life is good and the sun is shining Everybody floods to their ideal place And the children all smile as a boat shuffled by them Trying to pretend that they've got some space These streets have too many names for me I'm used to Glenfield Road and spending my time down in Augie I'll get used to this eventually I know, I know These streets have too many names for me I'm used to Glenfield Road and spending my time down in Augie I'll get used to this eventually, I know, I know Life is good and the girls are gorgeous Suddenly the air smells much greener now And I'm wandering around with a half pack of cigarettes Searching for the change that I've lost somehow These streets have too many names for me I'm used to Glenfrey Road and spending my time down in Orkey I'll get used to this eventually